Hey, it's Spike. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded on early Sunday afternoon. Um, Mike nor I had any idea about the Kobe Bryant news as we were recording. We found out as we were finished, obviously horrible news, um, terrible for uh, his family. Our prayers and our thoughts are with Kobe Bryant's family uh, and his friends, and we feel terrible about it. Um, the the pod that you're listening to was recorded without that knowledge. So uh, we wanted to make sure we included something and wanted to do it at the beginning. The Rights of Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by the Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the processed corn blau and corn blah. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, it's going to be a good mic one. When the Sixers win, it's a good mic one. Sixers busted the Lakers' ass on national television while Jeff Van Gundy auditioned for the Sixers' job and whined about all-star voting without actually knowing who made the all-star team. Uh, we will talk about that. Joel Embiid will return soon from finger surgery. 538 now says that the Sixers are favorite to win the championship. Um, and we did mailbag questions from Instagram, which, uh, which is good. A little different flavor, shorter questions. And uh, the Tony, Tony to Tony covers of You Don't Fuck With Me, I Don't Fuck With You are just, um, <laughs> they're flowing in and as disturbing as ever. You have six days left as of Sunday to get the Rights Ricky Sanchez hoodie, the uh, sky blue one with Rebel on the black on the back, our, uh, our logo on the front with um, Adopt, Don't Shop under it. Proceeds go to the Providence Animal Center. They're $39.99, a high-quality independent brand hoodie. Go to RightsRickySanchez.com. They will be on sale through Friday, and then that's it. Then we're going to send some over to uh, Kinetic for in-store, and then that'll be it forever and ever. And one final thing I wanted to say, I want to say a thanks. I've been meaning to do this. I don't, Mike, I don't know if you saw, when the Sixers played the Celtics at home, there was someone at the scorer's table with an Al Horford appreciator t-shirt on mm. uh, while the Sixers played the Celtics yeah. uh, in Philly. And it turned out to be uh, Brian Pollock, who is the grandson of legendary stat guy, Harvey Pollock, uh, who worked for the Sixers forever. Wow. Total legend. Yeah. Isn't that great? Um, so he is on the, uh, the Sixers stat crew there and he was wearing an Al Horford appreciator shirt right there on the scorer's table. It was a wonderful, we captured it on t on a, a screenshot. It's on our Instagram. So I want to say thank you to Brian for representing the Ricky up front like that. Hope we don't get him fired. <laughs> Always a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Brian. You were the one that wore it, not us. Uh, but don't worry. If you get fired, we'll make like the huge fucking deal out of it. It'll be worse for them than for you. I promise. Um, without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is We will write y'all, we, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we, we was right y'all, we, we will write, so say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we will write y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, say the name.
Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who, uh, who recently said goodbye to family who was spending some time with him in Los Angeles. Isn't that right? Well, my, yeah, my sister is in town for her 40th birthday. Uh, oh, and wow. My other sister from Phoenix and my dad. And uh, my dad, his flight is in a few hours, so he is currently six feet away from me watching just one end of the podcast. <laughs> a, real treat, a real treat for him. <laughs> He's still there. I love it that he's just watching you do it. Oh man, so that was if you're any stumbling around or maybe some <laughs> just offhand comments, reacting in real time. Usually he's at the grocery store listening, so uh, he's un- not not uh, used to having to censor himself. So he, this is how it he, goes. He can he can only imagine what I'm saying right now. He That's has right. No idea. That's right. It, it reminds me of when uh, last year, not this past year, but the year before when we did Bark in the Park, um, we had the guys who uh, donated $1,000 for me to come record a pod in their apartment or in his condo. And I was like, you know, Mike's not here. It's just me with a USB microphone and headphones. And they're like, yeah, no problem. So they all sat there, but they were wearing earbuds. At least they got to hear you. Um, I ask you this, Mike, to start off the pod. Mm-hmm. Is Shake Milton actually starting after that was your siren hot take in the last pod and then playing well the most important basketball prediction you've ever made? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost a, a feature of the siren prediction is that they should not be close to feasible. And no. The fact that it was is uh, alarming. <laughs> But well, what's what's pretty funny is I, so when you made the prediction, I wasn't thinking about Richardson being out, and uh, and when you really think about it, <laughs> as shocking as it is, he seems like the most logical <laughs> person well, I to think fill in. It's one of those things where uh, obviously they like Korkmaz off the bench, and uh, I forget I was talking about this, but like it's kind, of, it seems like in a like. In football, when you have like your ex receiver goes out and you don't replace him with the next person up, you go like, okay, well, who's the backup at this position? And it feels like Josh, his skill set is the the person that's most similar to that is Shake in terms of like he can do a little bit of dribbling, a little bit of shooting, a little bit yep. of defense, like kind of just jack of all trades, uh, you know, master of none type thing. And so it makes sense, and especially makes sense if you believe he's good as as I do. Um, and I'm excited that he delivered. This is what a, what a nice treat we got for a little while, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But Matisse, Shake, and Zaire all on the court at the same time, really pandering to me in a in an upsetting way, and then forcing Zaire to sprain his ankle like that after a mere three minutes of of pleasure was was tough. Should have never brought him up. Should just you don't sprain your ankle in the G League. You yeah, only sprain your ankle. It's impossible yeah. to. But I do think that if if Zaire's out for depending how bad the ankle is, I haven't seen. Um, feels like we could be getting our first Shayak minutes of the season if uh if that is in the well cards. it 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 is amazing how they could theoretically use his skill set more than any guy they have in Delaware because he's such a good shooter and doesn't like when we watched him up close it didn't seem like he needed any space at all he is slow uh but it is amazing high, high release that, point but definitely slow yeah yeah um it is amazing that it, it has taken him 
this much time to get any run at all. Like it, it definitely says something. He's not young. Like it, he's young in, in the grand scheme of things, but he's not young. It's not like he's 19 or something. You yeah, know? He's so, a, he was a four-year guy there. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's ultimately defense, and so we'll see what he looks like against yeah. NBA competitors if we get there. I like, yeah, starting off after a big Lakers win, it's probably best to start with the hypothetical call-up of <laughs> a two-way much. guy who's never <laughs> been there before. That's nice. All right, let me ask you this. Was... <laughs> We asked this after that. Well, we always have to stay doing what we do. I'm, I'm never going to not no, do no, what No, no, I'm we not do. upset about it at all. No regrets. Do, do you, this, is, this is for everybody who isn't a fan of the Sixers who listens to this podcast anyway. That's what you get. So we asked this after the Nets game. Do you think this was the best game of Ben Simmons' career? Uh, well, certainly the competition is better. Um, yeah. And he does always seem to get up for, for LeBron. He's one they're uh, four in a row against LeBron is pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, it's just another run of like all the good things he's good at, and uh, I really loved he he attacked the paint with uh, with the real intensity. The the thing I hadn't seen before that little lefty kind of half hook scoop over Dwight was really nice off the glass. Physical, aggressive. I mean him. He, he does that. He's so fucking fast, man. He doesn't get credit for how fast he is. Obviously, he's, it, it, it's, usually his speed is talked about in, in combination with like how big he is and imposing in, in terms of going downhill. But when somebody's going the other way and he, and he turns on the Jets to go after him, he's almost always poking the ball out behind him. And it's just awesome to see. He's just really, really impressively athletic and strong and, and, and gifted. Uh, and he did that to LeBron a bunch of times. He's he's really good. I mean, it it is a bummer in in some sense because you know we've had in Philadelphia enough you know quarterback controversies and random you know Wilson Valdez's type plays of like hey this backup is actually playing pretty good. Obviously Simmons isn't a backup, but the sense of hey do we need the guy that is normally in this position in the sense of like, do we need MB? It's like, yes, it's, it's okay to have more than one good player at once. That's almost better even. Yeah. It's the point. Sort of. Sort of the point. Yeah. Um, and so it's a bummer that they're, you know, the, the people that get paid to, uh, say dumb stuff are, are out in full force of like, well, trade MB for like, you know, sham it again. (laughs) I'm like, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, no, I want everyone on the team to be playing well at the same time because when they are, they're the best team in the league. The, uh, I will say that the Lakers, so it was, it was a little weird to see the line at only four points. The Sixers were seven point dogs in Toronto and the Lakers did look, they were the, the last game of a road trip, four games in six nights. They did look sort of, uh, half-hearted. Who wait, who was favored? The, the Lakers, by the far. The Lakers were favored by four. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, on a normal night, it, it felt like a six-point line to me, and four four seemed a little weird. Um, teams, NBA teams are, people talk about back-to-backs all the time, about the second half of a back-to-back on the road. Last game of road trip and then first game at home are usually great times to <clears throat> bet against a team as well. Um that that tip brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, um, or not? Because who knows? But th- that's a thing. But the uh, it, it really continues the 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 theory I've had of LeBron's entire career. 
that he does not play hard in Philadelphia, and I can't figure out why. There have been a couple, but by and large, I feel like we've always gotten screwed on the LeBron experience in Philadelphia. What do you mean? Um, in that, if, if, just you, that, if you want him to be playing his best basketball? Yeah, and he just, he never, well, for a, much of that time, the Sixers sucked, right. so he didn't need to. It and just seemed like he didn't he, even play. Yes. Yeah, that, that, I always think about the, the Tony Roten game winner the game, game that he didn't I was there. play. Yeah. yeah, I was there too. I was there with, um, um, uh, why am I forgetting his name now? Um, Horv Akron author. Uh, I'll remember it in a second. I just talked to him. Anyway, um, the other thing I, I realized about the Lakers, well, two things, I, a few things I, I noticed about the Lakers. First of all, and I've mentioned this before, the fact that Anthony Davis makes them start a center next to him right. is absurd. Um, it it and, is and in some sense. I, I think it's one of those things that they're going to, you know, pick their spots to use in the playoffs of, of, of having him as a small ball five type thing. But their defense is really good, and a lot of it is because he they have a shot blocker inside and mm-hmm. AD, like, roaming the passing lanes and stuff. But I, I agree with you. Like, he just doesn't want to play center. Yeah, he's just being a baby, like, overall. It, it, does, it, it does give them advantages. Him at power forward gives them advantages the same way. Yeah. Not the same way, but in the way that the Sixers get it in starting Simmons without starting an actual point guard. Mm-hmm. It, it creates difficulty for the other team. Scott Rabb. Scott Rabb is the guy that wrote the book. And then um, the other thing I thought, just watching them, is obviously they could win the championship. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But they do seem like they are one to two players away from actually being like a team that I would consider picking over the Clippers in the Western Conference. They just, they don't seem like they have enough good players to my eye. Yeah, For, I mean, I, I wasn't that high on the Lakers coming in. I thought they'd be at least good, but the fact that they, it seems like they just play with a real sense of togetherness almost all the time. Uh, I obviously watch them a lot. Maybe not as much as I watch the Pelicans, but I watch them a lot. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> They're, they just, you know, they enjoy playing with each other. It's, it seems like the most fun LeBron team has been in a while, you know? Like, there's been, in those last few years in Cleveland, and obviously last year, it's been, like, LeBron kind of unhappy and, like, dragging his team across the finish line. Um, and it seems like this year there's, like, even with the sort of retread players of, like, you know, guys that used to be good, it seems like they just have a, a, a good veteran base of of guys that want to be there and know their roles and stuff. You know, uh, that actually speaks to the, the last time I remember a LeBron, <clears throat> excuse me, a LeBron team being like that. It was the, um, you know, maybe two years before he left Cleveland the first time when they were all having, you know, that was when they were taking the, the fake pictures on the bench all the time. And I wonder if part of it is that there are no all-star level players on the team aside from Davis and that the struck, like that everyone is clearly there to work around uh, LeBron. Like there's just, there's less, um, there's less thought about what anybody's role is or, or who was the best player or anything like that. You know, in, in Cleveland, you had Kyrie, who's obviously a fucking weirdo and Kevin Love, who, um, who is a, a better player than the role he had in Cleveland. You know, I'm not exactly sure at this point even what he is anymore. But I, I wonder if the fact that there are fewer, like, high-level, all-star level players on this team makes them get along a little bit better. Yeah, that might be possible. It. I mean, people are just <clears throat> buying in, I think. And I think Vogel's a, a good coach that is doing as, as best you can do 
with you with like the line with the roster that's given to him. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a dangerous place to be. Uh, have two superstars that have, you know, forced their way, forced coaches' way out of things, or forced them out of out of the situation in Davis, and and so to to foster a good culture this quickly is impressive, and he deserves credit for it. But yeah, I mean, the same sense the Lakers were. You know, you said they look slow. There, it was the last of a five-game road trip and not that many days, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. They turned it on at the end, and I, you know, it was uh, dicey for a little bit. The Sixers, I mean, we've talked about this a million times, but, like, when they look good, they look excellent. They look like the best team in the league when they look good. E- even without Embiid out there, the stuff that they have physicality and versatility and length defensively everywhere. Uh, they get out and run. When they hit threes, everything opens up. Ton of stuff. But when they look bad, when they took their foot off the gas even a little bit, they become like a YMCA team. And it's unbelievable how how bad it can look so quickly. And in that fourth quarter, it got it got there. But yeah, LeBron missed the three. I think they were down. They were, the Lakers were down five with uh, four plus minutes left, and. Uh, LeBron missed the top of the arc three, and uh, that I if had gone in would have cut it to two. And then I think Horford went on his seven zero run, and it was very like that was the it could it could have gotten much much worse, but Horford just you know took care of business there, and uh, they'd shot the the defense in the fourth quarter. At least the last half of that fourth quarter was really really good, and yeah. deserves credit. Mike, let's talk about our sponsor, the Colony Meadery. Colony Meadery. Why don't, you, you know what mead is. Our, our listener, a new listener, might not know what mead is. What is mead? Ah, it's gluten-free, honey-style wine. It's perfect. It's sweet. It's a nice summer treat or oh, a yeah. nice warming winter delight. Oh, yeah. It is a... Uh, it's a wine, but also like a little bubbly, a uh, somewhere in between cider and wine. No gluten, as Mike mentioned, and that's very important to a lot of people. And Colony Mead, and Mead, Mike, as you know, has been around forever. But who perfected it? The Colony Meadery. That's right. Right there in Allentown, perfected the Colony Meadery. Ricky listeners, which makes them even better than regular people. And here they are at ColonyMeadery.com selling just... You know, it's made from honey, but it doesn't taste like honey. No, no, no. There's like a million different flavors. Mike, I want you to hear. Do you hear that right there? Do you hear that? I hear it. It's a glass with ice with uh, ain't no peach in there. Mm. Uh, I've just I've decided I really like that one. That is the uh, the one that we launched at Live Ricky. Really good one. Really sort of subtle sweetness. Um, I like uh, mini mead. I've said before another subtle sweetness. There's some that's even. Sweeter. There's a, a pumpkin spice one out there. There's a, a, a iced tea slash lemonade one. You got to try mead, especially if you're gluten-free or know people that are gluten-free and are sick of the option, sick of having cider every single time you go to drink anywhere. Where can you get Colony Mead? Well, a million different places. You can go online, go to colonymeadery.com, use code Ricky for five bucks off. They have all the different flavors there. Um, and they have some in cans, and then they have some in the bottles. The bottled ones... They could tell me if this is true. Seem way less carbonated and way higher alcohol content. Um, I'm a can guy, though. I like I like alcohol in a can. Number one, um, 
so go to colonymeadery.com. You can go to Wegmans, any Wegmans in, uh, in Eastern PA, or there's a huge list of places that have it in Philly, uh, including Beer Love, among others. Um, you can just tweet at us or tweet at Colony Meadery. They can tell you the best places to go. Uh, there's a new Birch Mead there. Anyway, colonymeadery.com, colonymeadery.com. As Mike said, it's great for summer or spring or winter or fall. That's the best thing about mead. Use code Ricky for five bucks off. Must, must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Back to the Ricky. It's funny. There was, excuse me, <clears throat> there was one play when it got close. It got to within five or something. And it was clear that the focus of the offense at that point was to get the ball to Horford in the high post that they were working for. And it was at that point, I never really they thought that they were going to They were, they were forcing it to him. Like, yes. At the yes. expense of like everything else, taking... Like 20 seconds of a shot clock to make sure Horford gets the ball at the top of the key covered. Like it was unbelievable. It didn't make any sense at all. Well, it's sort of, and it was funny as sometimes, you know, uh, when you're tweeting during a game, something can look very perfect in the moment. And then two seconds later, if if you didn't realize what, what I was watching or what somebody was watching. But I just tweeted that like, it was one of those times where you just wish that somebody on the court was a person who could just have the ball in their hands to run a normal um, last five minutes of a game play. Sure. And that it was the moment, the only moment in the game, really, when they're trying to, when they're, you know, there's only seven seconds left on the clock and they still are trying to get Horford the ball in the high post. I know. And I'm like, is this really our best option? And and the truth, the truth of the matter is when you saw, it is really the only time in the game where Tobias Harris's game doesn't quite work. Um, he can hit open shots, but his creation game does not seem to work at the end of a game sure. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because his handle's not tight enough, and there's especially so, if AD's on him, that's a tough, tough yeah. matchup. I was actually impressed yeah. by Tobias with AD on him, but but yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, how I think the question that everybody is wondering is how is Alyssa handling the loss? Your she girlfriend was, Alyssa, who was, was a cool. Laker fan. Uh, yeah. We were watching it with uh, my dad and my two sisters. And uh, we had a dinner reservation after the game, and I think Alyssa knew that if the Sixers won, I would I would not be in a great place. Or Sixers lost, I would not be in a great place. And so, she did a couple of victory lap of like, it's nice that we could give you guys this win. We're already we're so far ahead in the West, that kind of thing. So she's fine with it, and she does like the Sixers and, and really like a lot of the players, especially Matisse, um, and was happy Zaire got to play a little and then <laughs> and then got hurt. Um, but I think she was generally like, yeah, they're you know. She's happy with how the Lakers look, but is uh, was disappointed in Kuzma specifically. Tobias fucking roasted his ass. Um, and, Kuzma's uh, not good, man. I don't think he's, he's good not good. I don't think he's good at it. I think they should he's... trade him, and, and he can be a, a good stats, bad team guy for the rest of his career. Absolutely. The thing uh, that I like, cool. I, just yep. to comment back on your um, yep. on your penetration thing, uh, in terms yep. of this take a guy taking the ball and just like handle running an offense. The thing it, there was one play specifically where. Obviously, the Sixers look better when it's when it's a ball handler with Ben, so there's multiple ways that the Sixers can get to the rim. But even just one thing as much as the Lakers were really worried about Ben, he was being aggressive in the half court. They had to help off, you know, especially if if, if, if a Sixers got a switch with, like, Dwight on him or something. They had to help on, off him a lot. Ben drove, kicked to Matisse. Matisse in the corner takes like one power dribble in to like get the defender off balance and beats his defender. That's just a quick, like he didn't get all the way to the rim, but he got enough of a first step on him that 
it started to move, make the defense move and rotate and make some things happen. So somebody had to step up because Matisse beat the guy off the dribble. Matisse kicks back to Horford. Horford swing to Cor- uh, they had to contest Horford. Swing to Korkmaz, wide open three. Even just that one thing of like, hey, can you beat your man a little? Not even getting all yeah. the way to the rim. Beat your man a little. That, that forces the defense to move that will open other things up. Just turn the corner. Just exactly. get by him a little bit. Exactly. Because yeah. like Matisse and a lot of these guys are not at the point where they can, you know, navigate through traffic with the ball in their hands and like finish around or over contact or anything. But if you make them step up and guard you and leave your, their man, then you'll just be able to get open offense. And there's been so many times this season when the Sixers haven't been able to get anything open, any easy open looks, like one extra pass, there it is. Like seeing it happen in, in a time when it wasn't, it wasn't even Neto or anything, just like being quicker in a pick and roll or whatever. It is like the guys that we generally think of as not quite able to do it. Just a little bit opens things up so much for them. Yeah, the, the there were a couple of times, I guess in the fourth even, that I was wondering if the Lakers had scouted the Sixers at all. Right. In how, in how like, I was like, I was watching Danny Green playing up on Ben, like five feet beyond the three-point line. And I was, I was just thinking to myself, what are you, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, like there are other teams that have had success by putting a, a center on him and just standing five feet away. And you guys have your best wing defender playing him like he's Steph Curry or something. Um, They didn't look particularly uh, prepared, but I agree with you. It just seems like if somebody will make the move to create some sort of action where they can at least get a sliver of an advantage everybody on the court is a good enough passer to get the ball to somebody that might be open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Korkmaz, by the way, seems to be growing in confidence and and performance and need less and less space every time I see him play a game. It it seems like, you know, the, the Ricky bump, which I think we made up as we were going along, but uh, I, I actually don't even know of any other player who has... <laughs> <laughs> it's the fakest thing I've ever I've ever heard, but it uh, it does seem as though his has lasted. And as we've mentioned in every podcast for now, probably a month, it seems like he's actually good now. He might get Ricky bumped all the way to the Hall of Fame at this. <laughs> right, <laughs> the biggest Ricky bump of all time. Uh, Michael Weber, Spike Lee, <laughs> Spike Lee of the uh, Rights Ricky Sanchez. Mike Weber uh, texted me asking if it's if it's a, fair to discuss at this point that Korkmaz is better than Shamit. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's no. a conversation. I think it's a conversation. Obviously, has the ball hanging. Here's here's the difference, or not the difference. The Sixers don't get any credit for that. They were they declined his option. They limped into signing him. I'm glad that he got good, but I give him entirely the credit and and absolutely none to the Sixers. If that's the case, I'm happy to benefit from it and obviously su- support you know, that level of improvement, but holy shit, this was the the luckiest level of, of improvement that anyone's ever seen. <laughs> um, the last Laker game thing that I had um, was we, 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 we took questions from Instagram this week and uh, C. Lagore asked, early on in the pod years, Spike would note that he was generally a fan of LeBron. It seems like that, that has changed. Why is that? Um, I was an enormous fan and supporter of LeBron. It does seem, though, after he won a champ to me, after he won a championship, uh, he does not seem to have everyone's best interests at heart all the time. Um, and I think, like, 
there was a point at which he, the, the fact that he had not won, um, maybe humbled like the way that he seems, he just seems like somebody who somebody should say to him, Hey, you, you shouldn't really be that way all the time. And, and the fact that he, uh, along with his agent, like pulled what they pulled with Anthony Davis and like over and over again have just sort of dictated in a corny, passive aggressive way, everything that they've wanted to like his stuff on Instagram, just complaining about teammates. If, if it had happened here, we would crush that player and right, rightfully crush that player. And I just think it, I think like that stuff sucks. And he was a, he's like the, for me, the second best player I've ever seen. And certainly, um, the most unique and talented player I've ever seen. I just wish he wasn't so annoying, I guess. That's my, my LeBron take. Uh, the offices of Michael Levin report that he was paid by Spring Hill Entertainment. <laughs> about, uh, I've, I've always liked LeBron, even before, even before he started paying me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the past few years of like his teams having this like, discomfort not like unpleasant sort of vibe around them has sort of put a little bit of a damper on it but i mean eight straight going to the finals eight straight times just insane i I think he's the best player ever um and for him to be doing it this long uh he's unbelievable and i'm happy he uh became the third all-time in scoring uh in a nice loss before we get to the Raptor um, metric from 538, which gives the Sixers a 24% chance of winning the finals, um, we, we got four um, uh, Tony, Tony to Tony covers this, this week. Um, four new ones between the last pod and this one. Uh, they are all from talented musicians who really just need, have to, have something better to do, I think. Um, we got our first female one that I wanted to to play you um, from Gina Randazzo. Uh, are you ready for the first female cover of the Tony, Tony to Tony hit? You don't fuck with me. I don't fuck with you. Sure. All right, here we go. Yo, what's up, you assholes? It's Tony T. all the Sixers talk. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really enjoy the fact that they're putting all of the words that he said in the original, even the parts that weren't part of the song into the song. Um, before, actually, before we get to 538, Embiid. So Embiid comes back to practice. They said he practiced full. 
um, but he's going to have to wear a brace when he plays and that he could be back this coming week. Uh, it feels soon, feels doesn't soon. it? Feels soon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a finger thing, so hopefully it's not, you know, it's not like, I, I, I'm not even going to say what it could be. I was going to say it's not like his finger's going to fall off, but like, you know, what if it did? <laughs> well, then he wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, I don't know. Breaking. Uh, yeah. You know, once the finger is gone. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've certainly played inconsistent or as inconsistent without Embiid as they've played uh, with him. But this was the ben- This was hopefully, you know, without Josh also it's tough. But this is hopefully the benefit of him going out of like, well, empower some other guys, get them. It's a long season. Like, let them look good. Let them let get comfortable. Let them uh, feel where they can, you know, impact the game when it's on them a little bit more. And Ben and Tobias went to the line last night six, six times and seven times. That's nice. Um, they're taking threes. They shot, they shot threes last night well, but not, uh, you know, unsustainably well. They shot uh, 35%. Um, they turn the ball over a lot weirdly, but like it, the things have been seemingly simplified without Embiid, um, of like, we're going to run this driving kick, driving kick, a little pick and roll. Simmons is the roll man and and like some small ball stuff. Um, small ball five Ben of like, okay, we're just like spacing is the game. And so if, if they're deciding, Hey, when Embiid's not on the court, we're going to have a ton of spacing. We're going to play super fast. We know how we're going to beat him. This, this, this. Um, and then when he's back, we go to the, you know, Embiid in the post, Embiid face up, Embiid pick and roll, uh, high low, like all that stuff. So it's just like let's keep it, let's keep moving it at a at, at the taking the taking advantage of the mismatch we have. I don't think the mismatch is always like take this person into the post, which no, I think no, no. for a lot of the season it, it they thought it was. But you know, Tobias facing up against Kuzma and just like being stronger, quicker, more physical on with the ball in his hands. So those kinds of things I think this team is getting more comfortable doing and, and more guys on the team are getting more comfortable filling in. Yeah, I <clears throat> I was thinking about Embiid and Simmons and it's obvious that, <clears throat> I'm sorry, you know, this is where we get all the, you know, we've gotten the Embiid trade emails and it seems to happen every time he's out when they play well like this but I just man I I really wish Embiid and Simmons were 29 and 27 because I just know that if they would both give a little more um, in terms of coming closer to making making the right thing for the for the team and for the other person in terms of how they play the Sixers would be better. And it really means Embiid shooting a couple more threes a game and staying out of the lane and letting Simmons do more of his thing. And it also means Simmons like shooting corner and, uh, and elbow threes. Of course. So Embiid can post up more comfortably. And you, you wonder, and again, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just, I'm thinking of it like, why, you know, if there's something that goes through Simmons' head where he's like, you know what, if I start doing that, then maybe 
the role that I see for myself won't, won't be the role that we'll play with all the time. And Embiid thinks to himself, I want to be the most dominant big man in the league, not a big man who's pretty okay at shooting three-pointers, and I do it, so we do it. But I just feel like if they would both take two more steps toward each other, that the team ultimately would be better. And it just doesn't seem like they might in the playoffs, but it's not the thing that play, like they're both busy believing, even even not, th- not in any bad way, that they're the best player on the team. I have no doubt that they both believe they're the best player on the team and that things should revolve around them. And I, I feel like if they were a little more desperate to win a championship and a little further along in their careers, they may look at each other and go, you know what? This might not be how I want to play, but it's the right thing for everyone, and I'm going to do it. And do you think that's I, uncommon I wish, though that no. multiple guys on a good team think they're the best player on the team? No, 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 no. I don't. I, 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 I they, they should think they're the best player, but I think it's the combination of I'm the best player. I shouldn't have to do that. He should have to do it. Yeah. And and I think part of it is the the fear of, and I think this is. Actually, it's sort of a young person fear too, that if I decide this, that it's, this, is, this is forever, you know, that I, I'm never going to be able to turn away from this. This isn't the way that I want to go. And it's even the decisions that young people make, because I was young once, when you're thinking about what job you want. Like, should I leave this job for another job? Well, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Well, nobody says you have to do that for the rest of your life. They're, you're saying you have to do it for now. And I don't think it's um, I don't think it's out of the ordinary or odd or anything. I just think when players are a little more, um, a little more comfortable in who they are and their role and their legacy and what people believe of them, then they're a little bit more willing to take a step away. And the problem is, is that neither one of them, even though I think we would all say that we believe that Embiid is clearly a more impactful player than Simmons is, the difference isn't so big that like with Jordan and Pippen, where, okay, you might deep down believe that, but nobody else in the world thinks it, so you're not, you, you, you can't even dream it. You gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. And I think they're a little too close in that way, and I just wish they would both just, for this one year even, there's an opportunity this year. The Lakers are good, but they're not that good. The Clippers are super talented, but they have they barely even played together. And I think the Bucks, while uh, while they they're excellent during the regular season, are certainly beatable in the playoffs. And I think the Sixers would give themselves a better chance if both guys would would do that. So. Yeah, maybe. I think this season more than ever before. No, after what happened in Toronto, it seems like. You know, maybe maybe neither of them, or especially Joe, with like the Jimmy and JJ thing, he's not. And and maybe if he's less than enthused about Horford being the guy that they signed, um, yeah, it seems like this season more than in the previous three three. No, this is Ben's third. So I guess two plus the plus the uh, the red shirt year. Um, they're they're like with each other. They seem to be like just around each other more. They sit next to each other on the bench all the time. Like it just, it feels like they, the Brett has gotten them to get it or they've themselves gotten them to get it. Um, Mm -hmm. Are they going to be best friends? I don't know. But I, I, I think there are some things that are like, are they willing to do it? Yes. Do they, are they aware of, of how much they both help the team? Sure. Do they probably think that they're not perfect fits, whatever. Um, 
but it's just a matter of like executing it and putting the time in and, and getting guys to like buy into where they're supposed to be and make quick decisions and all that stuff. And I, I don't know. I mean, you know, two weeks ago or last week, whatever it was, it was pretty dark of looking at this team and being like, I don't think that they're going to get there. I don't think the pieces match or they don't have the necessary intensity to get where they need to get. And but clearly they're one of the best home teams in the league. And when when they're locked in, they're excellent. Um, they're just too rarely uh, locked in. So um, but they're getting contributions from a ton of other guys. And it's all going to always be around Ben and Joe. So. I don't know. I, I don't want Joe to like rush back if that's like oh, as yeah. much as they need I him. Like you. you know, this is is important. Well, I don't. It, yeah, I don't. I don't want it going through his head that you know. Oh no, <laughs> you know. Either either they're not good enough without me, or they're getting along too well without me. You know, I don't. I want both of those things to be gone. Yeah. Um, let's take a break from the pod to talk about our official lawyer of the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast, the official law firm of the process, Cornblow and Cornblow, and our buddy Adam Cornblow. Mike, I ask you this. Do you think uh, LeBron might have a case against Ben Simmons from last night uh, from stealing the ball right from his face? Do you think he had a right to that ball? <laughs> I think he did. Oh, really? Uh, so no no lawsuit there, No, I'd I guess. None. Yeah, no lawsuit. Uh, Cornblow and Cornblow. What's that? But worth an email. Yeah, it, that's the thing. If you think you might have a case, Cornblow and Cornblow, the premier boutique personal injury law firm in, uh, in the area, it, if you think you might have a case, like the ball gets stolen from you without your permission, you got to shoot them an email, cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com, or give them a call, 215-576-7200. Here's the good thing. When you call Cornblow and Cornblow, you're going to get one of them, one of the uh, the the brothers or sisters Cornblow, rather than getting shipped off to some other law firm just because you called some place you heard on the radio or saw on TV that is actually just a referral service, whereas Cornblow and Cornblow, you're actually getting the actual Cornblows when you call. <clears throat> Not only that, um, you don't even have to go to, they have plenty of offices in the Delaware Valley, but Cornblow will come to you. We've, uh, we've heard from so many people that called Cornblow and just got very personal, very detailed, very assuring service. And I've said a million times, I went through a personal injury lawsuit, took like three years. It's, um, it's a tedious process. And you want somebody who is focused, who is driven, and who is going to sort of make you feel good through the entire thing. And that is Cornblow and Cornblow. Any sort of personal injury, they specialize in medical malpractice, but any sort of personal injury at all, car accidents, slip and fall, injured at work. Um, we gave you the phone numbers, we gave you the email, just get in touch with Cornblow. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Back to the Ricky. Uh, before, now, okay, so before we get to 538, um, Charlie Dunn um, also covered Tony's song. Um, I will give you uh, 20, 15 seconds of it, uh, of Charlie covering uh, Tony T, who once again also takes the words he says in between and puts them into the song. Yeah, you assholes, check this one out. You don't fuck with me. I don't fuck with you. Yeah, if you won't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. Yeah, if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fuck you up. If you fuck with me, I'm gonna fuck you up yeah 
obviously sung to the tune of uh, This Little Light of Mine, which uh, is, <laughs> is perfect for this. I played I play the original for a coworker, my uh, friend of mine named Matt. And I'm like, you remember Amos, right? And he's like, yeah. And I, I played it for him. And he was like, well, that's not the same guy. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's the same guy. Well, it's definitely not the same guy. There's definitely something, you know, chemically has happened to him that has allowed him to become this person. Um, but I guess legally, birth certificate-wise, it is the same human. Yeah. Legally, it's the same guy. Yeah. I guess that's I had it stuck say. in my head the other day, and I was just like, I hate, I hate this. I hate, I hate this. I was like, what am I singing right now? Oh, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> the worst part of it is that it's catchy. That's yeah. the, the most dangerous part of it is it's, that it's, it's catchy. It's I will post these all on the uh, the Instagram. I'll make little videos and I'll post everybody's cover on the Instagram. Does, does, um, the, does the Lakers game last night, does that uh, change? Uh, obviously, they're down Josh and Embiid and, and the Lakers yeah. are at the end of, end of a long road trip. But does it change how you – I feel like we're on – we're on my roller coaster of how I feel about the Sixers, but how are you? Have you sort of been like stable this whole time? Like, did you do you watch the game last night and go like, "This is I feel differently about this team," or is it just like sometimes the shots fall, sometimes they don't? Um, I this game doesn't make me feel any different about them. I I would say the the two games that have made me feel more positive about the Sixers' chances of winning a championship than I generally feel are the Heat game from earlier in the year and the Christmas Bucks game. And I think everything else keeps me in the same... This one just felt like a... Like, the Lakers just lost to the Celtics by 30 points the other night, you mm-hmm. know? Like, so... I And they they are probably in a position... And here are players who are old enough to do this. They're probably in a position where they look at the rest of the West and they... Their, their record is, they're like five games ahead, the number two team, and they know they can get the number one seed, and they know they're a trade away, and like, they just mail some of them in. And I, I'm, I'm, that isn't to take away, I guess it takes away from some of what the Sixers did, but I don't think that last, that, that Saturday night's game was an example of, to me, of what this team can be. Um, I think that the Bucks games and the Heat game were better examples of that than this was. Three Celtics wins? Um, uh, yeah, I, I would say that the Celtics games as well. Uh, m- mostly because they make it so difficult for the Celtics to get into any sort of offense. I would say, uh, I would agree that those games as well. The Celtics games as well. Um, but the, there are, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. When I, when I was watching the Celtics-Lakers game the other night, I just sort of thought to myself, like, I, I thought about you saying after, uh, like, the Sixers look great in a game, this is what we know the Sixers can be. And I watch the Celtics and I'm like, is this who the Celtics can be? And I'm like, no, not really. So you're really not as good as you look at your best and not as bad as you look at your worst, that, which is a vote for the, the Bucks, I guess, because they look, they look good all the time almost and they hardly ever look bad. And even their best isn't even that much better than what they normally are. Um, my, my biggest, uh, my biggest, like I, I have the same three questions about the Sixers today as I had the first week of the season. Um, and the question will be, can they, can they find the answers to those questions by the, by the playoffs? I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, all they need is two to three playable bench players to like do something. 
I, I yes. hope that well, they, okay. they can get a th- the third can be a uh, like a someone that is that does what Neto does but better um, at the deadline or in buyout. Who knows? But initially, you're watching the team and saying coming into the season, it's like okay, well we have Mike Scott and we have James Ennis, solid guys, solid bench foundation. Everybody else, we'll see what we can get. Um, the they've fallen off a cliff. But the two guys that have been that have replaced them are Corkmans and Matisse. Um, and now I le- legitimately shake. Come on, I believe in it. Oh my I just God. see it. It's gonna happen. I believe in it. But obviously he needs to show more before he's you know playoff contributing. Um, and and Zaire had a nice assist when he was out there for three minutes. Looked competent. Oh Dribbled a little bit. How about it? Um, but uh, but it's it, it's still there at a place where it's like. You know, you believe in the five starters, at least Horford as a as Embiid's backup for, you know, however, 10 minutes a night that in the playoffs and Embiid sits. And so it's just how many guys can you just like be fine with the rest of the way? And so, you know, Matisse looks good. The shot is good. He's five, he had five steals. The first possession against LeBron, he taps the ball out. Like there's a there's there's elite skills with Matisse that you don't see in rookies rarely ever. Um, but he's already one of the best at the things he's the best at, which is excellent. So, the, and, and Korkma is becoming this confident of a shooter is and, and competent elsewhere off the dribble and the pick and roll, all this stuff playable on defense, all this stuff. So like there's, there's things that matter and, and it's going to change as the season goes on. And I'm sure Matisse will take a dive at some point. Korkmaz will, and it starts to look better. Who knows who steps up or, or steps down, but it is to me, it is like there's a foundation here of, of the, the best defensive starting five in the NBA with, Embiid having a playable backup center in Horford when he sits and enough shooting playmaking on both ends to like still feel like this team's ceiling is where it where we thought it was. Um, And we'll see what they do at the deadline. But I'd rather be the team that can. Is this, you know, hot and cold than a team that always plays hard and catches teams off guard with their effort. Um, you know, like the Pacers of a couple years ago or like the, you know, I mean, the, the Bucks are obviously better because they have Giannis and he's the best player in the league. Um, but like the Hawks from your Hawks, like I'd rather be a team that is like, we, we know the level that this team can hit in the elevator but rather than like this team always hitting like a medium floor, I mean like that's they're always trying really hard and they can beat teams in their regular season team. But I'd ra- I guess I as frustrating as it is, I'd rather be the team that has the upside our team has. Do you know what I'm saying? Rather than just yeah, I effort, ju- effortful. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying like they still need help and they still need guys to step up. But uh, I'd rather be you'd, the team. You'd that rather can beat they the they team. be that than you'd rather they be that than what? Than like the permanently efforting like. Regular season, they show up every night and they try really hard. But you know, this isn't going to work in the playoffs, right? Like that kind of that kind of level of, oh, of the, like of the like see. the like the Grizzlies. The, I, I mean, the, oh, the like the old the the grit, the grit and, grit and grind. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, 
Because nobody thinks that about the Bucs. Nobody thinks this isn't going to work in the playoffs. This, you're, you're talking more about the Hawks or even the Hawks from a couple of years ago. Yeah, or yeah. your Hawks. Or the Raptors. Yeah, or the Raptors from a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I'd rather have that. Um, though I'd, I'd rather have the team that destroys everybody in the regular season and everybody <laughs> and thinks also, is going to yeah, win the championship. Yeah, much, yeah have, destroying everybody all the time would be a really relaxing experience, I think. Yep. Uh, 538 has a uh, a a player raider a and a, and I don't even profess to understand how it works and a team raider called uh, Raptor which stands for something um, they are constantly updating it and it gives chances to make the playoffs chances to make the finals and chances to win the finals after the game yesterday the Sixers moved into the number one chance to win the finals at 24 percent with a 45 percent chance of making the finals um some other notes about Raptor um it gives Trey Young uh, a higher score than Ben Simmons it also gives Dante DiVincenzo a higher score than Ben Simmons also has Trey Young has the same amount of win shares as Ben Simmons, and also says that Montrez Harrell has twice the amount of uh, wins above replacement as Joel Embiid. Mm. So, <laughs> so the, there's a lot there, you know. I didn't need um, to dig into that. <laughs> it's it's really I my favorite one of stats is the way people talk about Pro Football Focus, and it's one or the other. It is either um, it either completely backs everything that you've thought the entire time or uh, LMAO, who even takes pro football focus seriously? What a joke. <laughs> One of the two. And Nate Silver is firmly, anything that Nate Silver is attached to is firmly one of those two camps always. Yeah. People either think he's completely full of shit or always right, right. because he's smart. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'll take any... We've been through so many ups and downs this season already. I'll, I'll take any stat, however uh, foolhardy, that it is, that says we're going to win. I'll take, I'll take it. That is that calms me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we did uh, we did a thing with the Lorenzo Brown mailbag today or this week where you could um, send us pictures, send us questions rather through Instagram uh, and Facebook, and we got we got some different people, which is good. Um, shorter questions, which I always love. So I wanted to run through some of those questions. Thanks to everyone who sent them to us on Instagram. The first one comes from Dean. Imagine you get a cease and desist from Ricky Sanchez and Cornblow determines you have to change the name of the pod immediately. What, excuse me, what new name do you choose? Do you have that list that we <laughs> were deciding we talk, from? We've talked about this so many times. Of like, where is it? <laughs> do we have it? There's something... <laughs> None of them are good. Not that this is good, no. but nothing's good. Yeah. I think we just have to end the podcast. If if Ricky sent did I tell you that I texted him a couple weeks ago? No. Okay. So I'm sorry. I didn't even so we have a listener who one way or another, maybe he met Ricky Sanchez somewhere and Ricky Sanchez uh, and he was wearing one of our shirts and Ricky Sanchez wanted one of the shirts. And he did not get his contact info. So the guy spent like two months trying to get the contact info from Ricky Sanchez. Or I guess he was emailing with him at one point, but he's just not that good on the internet. So finally, the kid could not get responses for him anytime and just sent me his cell phone number and said, here you go, good luck. And I sent Ricky Sanchez a text message that said who I was 
and said that we would love to get him a t-shirt and just tell me where to send it. And he never responded. So <laughs> maybe, maybe he's preparing the lawsuit uh, is possible, I guess. What a, an, uh, sort of a blows with the wind guy. You can't really pin him down. He's ethereal. I can't like imagine having a podcast named after you for years about a city that you've never been in and then yeah, never yeah. just being like, hey, does my can my agent like figure what's up with this? <laughs> like anything. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this happening? It's like <laughs> I get your he's overseas. He's not here. Whatever. Maybe he's confused. But like it's not like we're in 1964. Like we can do the Internet is exists all over the place. Yeah. It makes the world smaller, if yeah. anything. Uh, but know? not for Ricky. No. It's still, pretty, still pretty big for that guy. Yep. Um, before we get to the next one, uh, another coffee shop cover. This one comes from our friend uh, Ben Poole. One, two, three. If you don't fuck with me, yeah, and I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, yeah, then I won't fuck with you. Rick-a-jum, jum, jum. Like rage against the machine And the next part goes If you're gonna fuck with me Then I'm gonna fuck you up It's so nice and so stupid at the same time. Yeah. Uh, We have one more that we'll play a little later on. I would love to get a punk version of it. Now that we've opened this up, we've gotten so many different versions. We've gotten some, um, you know, some, you know, we played one last time, sounded a little like SoundCloud rap. I would love a punk rock version. This one comes from Matt Deebs. Uh, Did Zaire Smith kill Mr. Peanut? (laughs) I'll say yes. I'll say me and Zaire together killed Mr. Peanut. Yep. Um, his his this one comes from nemesis. Pe- yep, yep. Well, Mr. Peanut tried and didn't get the job done on Zaire. So and me. Zaire decided he's tried, yes. He's tried to get oh, me right. a bunch of times. Um, next one comes from B Diggs on Instagram. And we've gotten this one a lot. And I feel like this player is becoming the this year player of if they just played him, they'd be way, way better. Um, he says, what did Trey Burke do to Brett Brown? <laughs> He'll be back in in a, you know a week or something. He will, right? This isn't yeah. like them deciding on Neto, right? I don't think so. And Neto looked pretty good last night with the occasional like three or four really really dumb bad plays, including it's so that, like, crazy. It is including that end of third yeah. quarter thing where they just like Ben made the move. It was shot clock was unplugged. Ben made the move with like ten seconds left instead of with like four or five seconds left. And so then he made a terrible pass, gave it up, and then they got up. It was really inexplicable. This team gives away points still so, so much. They're still, if they just, I don't know if it's focus or, or you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, coaching. It could be a lot of things. But if they cleaned that stuff up, then it'd be like, oh, better, less, less bad. Um, but I do think Neto is, I think ultimately he's the answer. I think he's, he's quicker. I think he's a better... Uh, catch and shoot, three point shooter, uh, and better defensively, can do less like get you a bucket at the end of a game type thing. But mm-hmm. also, really, how much of that, 
how much are you going to take the ball out of Josh or Tobias or Embiid or Ben's hands uh, to that to just like let Trey Trey cook and dribble the ball for like 16 seconds while he like figures it out? You know, I, I just don't think that's that's feasible in a in a minimum contract guy. Yeah, I th- there is more of a chance of us at some point getting the. Trey Burke game rather than the Neto game. That's the biggest difference between the two of them. Right. And, you know, if somebody got hurt during the playoffs, I don't know. Yeah. I think we've had Trey Burke game a little bit already. He's had a couple, like, give him the ball in the fourth quarter and just let him win this one. Right? It, it, the the problem is, is that a situation in which you'd need Trey Burke, if you haven't played him the whole game, it would be pretty weird to put him in there at the end of a game. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Uh, Neto, you're right about Neto, man. It's like he, Everything seems so solid about him, and I, I still don't think I've seen him miss a three. Um, but he makes these plays like he got possessed by somebody. And he's he's normally a pretty solid defender, but he'll have these brain farts where he goes, um, it is so strange. Like he's possessed by the ghost of Jonathan Simmons or something. It's very, it's very odd. Let's take a break from the pod to talk about our newest sponsor, Mike, a very important sponsor, a sponsor that is going to help your, your, uh, your bank account and also give you a place to vacation during the summer, which I think puts this sponsor ahead of every other sponsor we have, at least Tell me uh, it's Delaware. It's Delaware. It's wow. Delaware. It's Adam Kasabi, the official... Uh, realtor of the process. He's a Delaware realtor, focuses on the Delaware beaches. I wanted to, I told Adam, I want to focus on this one about what is so great about the Delaware beaches. Because a lot of the place, a lot of the people in our area grew up going to the Jersey Shore, which is fine, whatever. But to me, when I go down there, it is too crowded, um, kind of annoying. It is not that dog friendly. And if you're talking about owning the taxes in Jersey, as opposed to Delaware, are like five to ten times as much. And what I'm, I'm what I'm telling you is, is that property tax in Delaware um, for a Rehoboth home or a, a Lewis Beach home or a Dewey Beach home, you're talking about a thousand bucks a year, fifteen hundred bucks a year, as opposed to five or ten grand in Jersey. And the shores are great. Lewis Beach is where my wife and I went. It is uh, a little off the beaten path, uh, a more quiet beach, but a great little town um, that you can go to and like 15 minutes, 10 minutes from Rehoboth. Rehoboth, I would say, is the closest thing to the Jersey Shore, that and Dewey, but much, much, much nicer. A great boardwalk, tons of families, um, tons of stuff to do. I just, I don't know if you've ever been to the Delaware beaches. I think they're awesome. And um, I can only imagine in the next decade or so what's going to happen to the people that own houses down there. So if you were thinking about an investment for a home, this is the way to do it because you can make money all year on it. You just rent it out, which basically pays your entire mortgage. And then as the home goes up in value, you're worth more. It's pretty easy. And you have a place to go during the summer. 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643 is Adam's number. Call or text. Um, I know nobody likes making phone calls anymore, so you can just text them. Or you can go to processrealtor.com and do it now if you're going to buy because you never know when uh, interest rates are going to go up. They're low right now, so you can afford more. Or even if you want to rent. I told Adam this too. I said, I'm going to send you rentals because if people go and rent down at the Delaware beaches, they will, they will go there forever. So again, Adam Kasabi, official realtor of the process. Back to the Ricky. Oh, something I noticed, by the way, and I don't ever take the time to check the stats, but I tweeted out that it seemed to me 
that since Embiid went down, and maybe it's because he's playing four more, that Tobias Harris had more wide open threes than he mm-hmm. used to, mm-hmm. and legs legs checked. Um, in the nine games that Embiid has been out, Harris is averaging 3.9 uh, wide open three-point looks per game, as opposed to 2.0 prior to that, which is a shocking change Yeah, um, in number. I do know? think it is a lot of it because he's playing more four. Playing four, or, yeah. You know, I mean, you could argue if Simmons is if Simmons is, a, I mean, everyone's a four on this team. Um, yeah, but like somewhat, he's playing the two. So, in terms of like who covers him, you know, like in terms of like when when the starting lineup's out there, the regular one. Right. Yes. 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 He gets yeah. covered by uh-huh. you know he's covered by even last night by KCP for a while. Yep. And it's like how and- how how much of that. It, it does seem like he's become more willing when he is wide open to just let it fly as opposed to thinking about it, which I think he was doing earlier in the season. Yeah, um, I think so, too. I think so, too. He still gives those little... I mean, look, Tobias has been great. Ah, uh, shoot. He's been, re- yep. he's been really good. Um, lately, especially, on you know, just consistency level, defensive end, all that stuff. Um, and he did hit some of those mid-range shots last night that he hadn't been hitting lately. Um, uh but he still does that thing around the three-point line where he gets his his toes are only behind it by a millimeter every time. If it's more than that, he is freaking out. Like he's got to get his toes right up to that line. If they moved it back, if they moved it up, it, he he would move up every bit of that line. His if he it's a good thing his feet aren't longer because those be those would be a lot of long toes. Uh, this one comes from Billy on Instagram. Could. We've heard a lot of this, too. Could starting Matisse and making Horford the sixth man create some spacing and benefit uh, Embiid and Ben spacing? Um, For me, I don't think there's any way that they're putting Horford on the bench during the regular season, giving the contract that he just signed. I just don't think it would happen. I agree. Um, But I also think that I would put Korkmaz in there. Um, If if you were telling me that I'm trying— Instead of who? Instead of Thibault. Uh, in the starting lineup. If, if you're telling me that the goal is to create more space in that starting lineup, uh, especially the, the up and down three-point season that um, that Thibault has had, I just I would rather have Korkmaz in there, I think, if that's what I'm trying to create. And look, you have the rest of the game to have different lineups, but um, but my thing is they're not putting Hor- – I don't I, – I think I would be very, very shocked if they put Horford on the bench during the regular season. Right. And, uh, but I would start I would start Korkmaz over Thibault. I – there's two factors to this. I think Matisse's skill set lends itself in terms of like surprising the other team and having to account for him, lends itself to being brought off the bench. In terms of like we're playing a regular game, all of a sudden here's this like Velociraptor that can just get to everything. Um, do Velociraptors have big arms? Probably not. No, they have short they have, arms. They have short arms. No. Yeah. Not a T Rex. Yeah. T Rex has short arms. Oh, does a Raptor have big arms? I thought they looked like sort of like mini T Rex. No, maybe it is. But he's a, a Velociraptor with really long arms for Velociraptor uh, can get to can get to just about anything, um, and. I think that I think that there's like the the, the only factor like in terms of Korkmaz's skill set, his no one's like oh fuck here's a guy who can shoot and do so many things he, he can shoot that's regular 
for most for most teams they have a bunch of those. Um, but the thing that I think that they like about Korkmaz is that when he comes in, he's going to get a decent amount of shots. Matisse doesn't need any shots when he's in with the starters, and so it's like, hey, the game begins. Let's give yeah. Simmons his touches at the beginning. Let's give you know, Josh or Tobias or Embiid, their touches at the beginning. Matisse is like, I don't need anything run for me. Korkma is like, in order to be valuable, he has to have stuff like ran for him with hit, with the ball in his hands. So hopefully like you sort of like give the starters their due and Matisse can just be like, I'm fine doing whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think ultimately it doesn't matter. It's a matchup thing, but it, in a vacuum, I like the idea of bringing Matisse off the bench to, to wreak havoc on the defensive end and just having Korkma in there with Embiid and Simmons at all time to be a, a, a competent quick release shooter. This comes from Lord Mike on Instagram. Would you rather Brett Brown put the ball in Ben Simmons' hands in the fourth quarters and end of the games just to force the growth out of him? He certainly looks more confident, confident from the line lately. He's been shooting, getting there a lot and, and, and making them when he's there. Um, I would, I, whether it's, I don't think Brett's taking the ball out of his hands, you know? Maybe you disagree, but I think it's just Ben thinking, okay, here's what I'll here's what I'll do. This is how I'm gonna be valuable. And I think he know I, he knows like I'm not I'm not the guy that would you know, even though he's confident going to the line now, I I, th- I still think he doesn't think that's like the best use of our time and possessions. Um Yeah, I th- I think it's probably mutual. Okay. I you know, I, I don't I, I don't think Brett is like, all right. Final five minutes, Ben, get out of there. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's that. But I, I, don't think Brett, I don't think Ben is fighting to... I think if Ben went up to Brett Brown and said, hey, let me take this, I think he would let him do it. Um, and I don't think that's happening either. Yeah. So, um, I'd be fine, they, especially when Embiid's out, regular season, like, I'd be fine working through growing pains of, of, Embiid, of Ben, like, you know, forcing his way into the lane during the regular season or in the fourth quarter and, and you know, okay, he got an offensive foul called on him. Fine. I think for, in the long term, I want him to feel confident to have the ball whenever he's in there, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, before we get to our last two questions, the final uh, Tony, Tony to Tony cover. This one comes from Dan. This is not a cover as much as it is a remix. One, two, three, four. You don't fuck me, yeah. And I won't fuck you, yeah. Crazy against the machine, but then the next part's like, but if you fuck with me, yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up, yeah. If you fuck with me, yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up, yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that one? It's good. They're all good. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, what a talented audience. Comes, yep. This one comes from Big Collar Brand. If the Sixers traded Joel Embiid at the deadline, would you actively root against them? I'm not even going to entertain it. You take it. Yes. <laughs> I think I would. That sounds right. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. I would be, I'd be so mad. That would be, what a weird podcast that would, that would be. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would be so mad. Yes, I would actively root against them. I'm sorry. Uh, I would not acti- be actively rooting against the players. I would be actively rooting against the decision makers through the players. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, 
This one comes from, I like this idea, though it seems impossible. This comes from JSwag16. Can we introduce the idea of having one popular non-all-star from each conference play in the celebrity game? This year, it would be Alex Caruso and Taco Fall. Yeah, I like that. I like it. It sort of makes a joke out of both guys, which I don't know if Alex... Yeah, Caruso's actually a good player. Taco Fall, I don't think, is ever going to be an NBA player. He might play, you know, Pesetchnik's minutes, I will never acknowledge um, but I don't think he's like going to ever be like an impactful, valuable player. He's just, you know, he's so. Smart. And finally, this comes from Carson. What are Simmons' chances of being first team all defense this year? It like it's going to happen. I think I, very good. I think very, very. Yeah, good. I would say 100 percent. I don't think there's any chance of him not being first team all defense. This is it's become one of those things like, why does nobody talk about how good the Bucks are? It's like people say, why does nobody talk about how good Ben Simmons' defense right. is? Everybody talks about it. Yeah. You know, I'd be shocked. There's if he's two not first team. all defenses teams, right? They, they announce a second team. All defense. Yes. You think yes. you think Matisse has a chance at second team? I don't know. I, I would have to go through the list of players because I, I don't know the like, let's think about was well, he considered a how do they do all defense? Is it three front court, two back court, or is I've it? I've heard Zach Lowe complain yeah. about it a lot, but I don't. I know I just zone out during that. During the yeah. like, allow me to list him as a guard. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get why it's annoying, but yeah. I, I don't care. Um, all right. I would say my predictions right now: S- Simmons first team all defense, Embiid because of his missing a lot of time, uh, second team probably behind Gobert, uh, and Matisse also second team. I think I think they'll give it to Matisse. I think everyone recognizes like how special of a defender he is. I would have to I'd have to look at players because I don't know yeah. who everybody yeah, thinks that's, is a that's great defender. That's just cursory player. without without looking. Yeah. But you know, I'm the siren doesn't need to be running for me to give a take. Have a hot take? Yeah. All right. Wait, I want um, one question. What? Your thoughts oh, on yeah. Jake? Give me a little. Uh, he played well. He played well. I I I he played well. I I don't know. He. Uh, they don't ask a ton of him. The layup was nice. Very nice. Um, Around LeBron. He didn't, yeah, he didn't look, uh, he didn't look out of place, nope. I thought. Hit a movement but three. But he's looked out of, he has looked out of place in several other NBA games. That's my, the thing I'm battling with. Was it, so, didn't he, didn't he sprain his ankle in the first game? He might have, or was that last year? No, that was this year. Um, okay. He barely played in the Boston game. He played in the Detroit and Atlanta game and had, uh, ten points and nine points in twelve minutes each, and then he sprained his ankle and and never rejoined any consistent minutes. Uh, so like he looked good for that run. I think he's you know, I don't think he has to has to be excellent. I think he just has to be playable in the way that like Ennis was playable. He's a better ball handler than Ennis. He's a better passer. Uh, remains to be seen if he can be as good of a shooter as Ennis was. He's certainly not the defender Ennis is at this point. But I think there's 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 juice to giving a young guy some like run, especially now, like in the regular season. Like we'll see. It's like what Brett is doing with with Burke and Neto. I I think he should also be doing with these. I don't know if he if Ennis is fully in the doghouse. I mean, the technical foul was crazy. He seems really just like not happy with his role. Mike Scott seems confused out there. So like there there's definitely room. There's definitely quiet tournaments abound to be won. Um, so well, he's he's gonna get. Get time. He's gonna get. Yeah, when he's Josh, get when Josh is there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that he's playing. I like him. Uh, well, he's they. 
They could use a guard. So, so everybody's I'm having the redemption tour. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that Jonah gets his at any point? No. Oddly enough, I actually think he'll be left out of this. I, I, think, I think you're probably I, right. I don't know that there will be a Jonah Bolden redemption tour. But you never know. Christian Wood's getting one. Yeah. So maybe one day. You're probably right. All, All right. right. We will, we will talk to you uh, later this week. Thank you for... Uh, we'll take more cover songs if you want. Uh, write to Sanchez at gmail.com. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know Lickface.